Um, with that said, I just want to share with you real quick before I get into the Word this morning. Um, these past few weeks, we've been doing a series on Wednesday night called Questions That Leave a Mark. And as a pastor, I was kind of hesitant to do this type of series when we first started it. Because what we did was we allowed students to actually ask questions, write down questions, and submit them to us. And over the last four weeks, we have been answering those questions from the Word. Amen. Amen. And I told them from week one that I wasn't going to get up there and tell them what I thought. That I was going to give them the answer straight out of this book. And that's what we've done. I just want to throw out a few questions that we've talked about these last two weeks and kind of give you an idea of what we've been talking about on Wednesday nights back in the back. We talked about... What are the biblical guidelines for dating? That was a fun one. I got to kind of hammer that home. I got a teenage daughter and a teenage son, so I got to hammer that one home. All right? How do I witness to my friends when they seem to have an answer to everything I say? And how many of you as adults have had that happen? And that's tough. It's tough at work, but I can imagine at schools these days. You know, you're trying to invite your kids, your friends to church, and they just, they're blowing you off. All right? Here's a big one. What does God expect of me? And how can I truly be and feel forgiven? I mean, these are big questions, tough questions that our students have brought. And we've gotten this word, and I, we've had fun with this over the past few weeks, but it's been straight out of this book. And I'm telling you, every answer that you need is right here. And that's what I told him from week one. If you'll get in this thing, don't take my word for it. Get in this thing and let God speak to you, and he will. Amen? With that said, how many of you are ready for some word this morning? Amen. Amen. Let's get into the word this morning. If you got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews. No, I'm just kidding. Matthew. I broke the mold. I'm sorry. Sorry, Pastor Terry. I broke the mold. Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to read three verses for you. Verses uh, 35 through 38. Amen. Yeah, Pastor Terry, if he's listening to this thing on the internet this afternoon, he's going to realize I have broke it. I'm not reading his scripture this week. Nothing wrong with Hebrews chapter 12. I love it. Amen. But let's see what the Lord says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I underline that in my Bible. Because that, that really hit home with me this week. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore... Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, I pray that you would just do your work this morning, God. Lord, I pray as we get into your word, Father God, you begin to reveal yourself to your people. Lord, I pray that you speak to us loud and clear this morning, Lord, to help us to be who you've called us to be and do what you've called us to do. For us in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody good this morning? I mean, I was sitting down there this morning, and Brent come up, and they played the video, and he was talking about unchurched people, and Gary kind of hinted to it a little bit, and I thought, man, I'm just not going to get up there. I mean, they're preaching my message this morning, so I'll just let them go ahead and do their thing, you know? But that's how God works, amen? 
We have not talked this week. We have not said, okay, we need to line this thing up. We let God do all that. Amen. But I want to kind of get into this thing, and I want to let you know that God told me to tell you, you all have a job to do. Every person in this room has got a job to do. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to say, what are you waiting for? Man, God hit me with that this week. He said, you've got a job to do. You need to be out there doing this thing, so what are you waiting for? And I don't know if you've ever had God tell you that, but it hurts. Okay? Because, man, you're sitting there and you're doing what you think you're supposed to be doing. Man, you're, man I, I, I got it going on. And God says, what are you waiting for? Man, that, that kind of hurts. But we need to hear that sometimes. We need to hear God speak to us that way sometimes. But I want to know how many of you are excited today as I am? Y'all ain't excited. Listen, let me tell you why I'm excited. Number one, I'm here with you guys. Number two, football season's here, baby. (laughs) I am so pumped up. Football season is here. How many football fans we got in the house this morning? Man, I am so glad y'all are football fans because guess what I'm talking about this morning? I'm talking about football. Okay? As I was reading this scripture this week, God started giving me some little football analogies. And the last few weeks, I've been coaching. I helped coach Alex's football team, and I've had football on the brain. And college football started this weekend, and been watching a little preseason NFL, and I'm excited. I'm pumped up. And God said he wants us to take that excitement into the world. Not about football. We're going to get to that. But he gave me four words that I'm going to give you guys this morning to, to kind of start this whole thing off. And this is what he wants us to do. Get off the sidelines. As I read the scripture in Matthew about how the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. He said, get off the sidelines. What are you waiting on? So I want us to kind of get this mindset this morning. I want to kind of get you excited about this thing and thinking about this thing. Imagine if Sunday mornings... We're treated like the Super Bowl. Think about that. What if every Sunday morning we came in here, it was like Super Bowl Sunday. People were excited. They were anticipating something unbelievable to happen. They were anticipating something that's unforgettable to happen. We were pumped up, man. People were being interviewed during the pregame show. Man, you see us out in the foyer, man. ESPN's out there. Won't know what's going on. Channel 4. You know, the roar of the crowd fills the room. And people are just coming, just flocking in here to pay millions of dollars for the halftime commercials. PT like that. Make sure you get them a copy of that. People coming in here paying millions of dollars for the halftime commercials. But think about how the atmosphere would change in this place. If every single day we got up, we were so fired up about Christ, we were so excited about being children of God, that it was like Super Bowl Sunday. Man, the excitement. The anticipation, the shouting. Man, I've been to some college football games, and I've seen some crazy people. I've, I've been one of them, okay? But what if we brought that excitement in the house of God? Man, what has he done? The football team has done nothing for me. Win or lose, I don't want them to lose, but win or lose, 
They've done nothing for me. He died for me. He shed his blood for me. He, he made a sacrifice once and for all that I don't have to sacrifice that anymore. I've just got to turn my life over to him. We need to be excited about him and what he's done for us. And here's the fact. God has called us, his team, to be excited, to anticipate, to expect. Man, we come in here on Sunday mornings, we should be expecting God to do something unbelievable. We should be expecting God to do something that's unforgettable. So that when we leave out of here, we share that with the world. That's how we grab a hold of the world out there, because they don't understand. But God wants us to get fired up so that we can take it out there into the world. The fields are wide of the harvest, but the laborers are few. As I was thinking about this, and I got thinking about us being players on a football team, and I got thinking about Alex's football team and how each player has his own purpose, his own job. Okay? The quarterback does one thing. The wide receivers does one, does one thing. The running backs, the, the linebackers, they all have a purpose on the field. They can't all do the exact same thing. I'm telling you, I've been coaching football for a while, and I've had teams try to do the exact same thing, and it gets ugly quick. you got everybody on the team wants to run the ball. Y'all ever watch Little League ball? You know, the balls, here, here they all go. It's like they're huddling around the ball everywhere it goes. You can't win that way. You can't play that way. But as Christians, it's the same way. We all have a job to do. It's not someone else's job. It's your job. That's where we get stuck in a rut a lot of times, is we look at other people and we think, man, I should be doing that. Or, or why, why am I not doing that? God's given you a job to do. God's given you a purpose. And all he says is, Get off the sidelines. Go do it. Do your job. It's like the body of Christ. We talked about that for a long time. We talked about being united and, and renovate back in the back. And each person is a part of that body. And that whole body cannot function correctly unless everybody is doing their own part. You know, sadly enough, sometimes I'm the big toe. I don't like being the big toe. But I've got a job to do. And you have to do what God has called you to do. Nobody wants their team to lose. People go crazy over sporting events. This past Thursday night, I was one of those. I just left Alex football practice. They had a great football practice. I mean, I was already fired up for football. I went home and my two favorite teams were playing on separate channels. They both won. I was fired up, dude. Ready for football. Ready for the weekend. Why aren't we like that with Christ? Why don't we get so fired up about Christ like we do about a sporting event? I find it funny because when it comes to rivalries, you either like one or the other. There's no in-between. And I'm one that I like to kind of poke a little bit, okay? I like to nag a little bit. I just... Find it funny, you know, get somebody fired up over something that, you know, I can go up to you and tell you my team's better than yours, and I bet you I'll have everybody wanting to fight me before the service is over. <laughs> you know, that's just the way it is with rivalries. It's one or the other. And as I was thinking about that, God took me to the book of Joshua, chapter 5. And I want to share something with you before I move on here. But Joshua, chapter 5, verse 13, 
And it'll be on the screen for you if you don't have your word. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him, his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to the people, went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? God, why, why are you showing me this scripture now? I mean, I mean, I'm trying to get this thing together about football. and He said, just look at it. Joshua was asking this dude, what team are you on? And I got thinking about when I was little, and we used to play backyard football. And there'd be 20 of us show up in the field behind Kmart, over behind the, by the hospital. That's where Bilo kept growing, you know. It took our field over. We all got mad. But we'd all show up. And we'd be picking teams. And I don't know if Joshua was standing there all cocky, you know. Which team you on? You know? If you ain't on mine, you're going down. I don't know if he was like that. Or I don't know if he was like, dude, that's a big guy. I hope he's on our team. Dude, you're on our team, right? Anybody ever been there? Man, you walk out on the field, you're like, dude, I hope that boy's on our team. <laughs> we had a jamboree game at Hillcrest last Saturday. And uh, the team out and was playing. This guy come walking up. Man, he could have been 30 for all I know. <laughs> but he had on a jersey. I mean, they said he was 11 or 12. <laughs> and if you could just saw the look on Alec and their team's face, like, well, they was hoping he was a coach. <laughs> but he wasn't. He was an offensive lineman. And this kid's 11 years old, taller than me. He probably weighed every bit 2.30. But you know what? They played as a team, and they did their thing. Sometimes we, we get that mindset that, oh, God, this thing is so big. We can't go on. We can't move forward. But God says, just get off the sideline and do what I've called you to do. Let's look on down what it says. Here, look at the rest of the story, verses 14 and 15. So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to, to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. As I was reading that, God hit me. It was like a ton of bricks. He said, we're too worried about how big the adversary is. We're too worried about how big the, the task seems. When all he's saying is, put aside your differences. Lay aside your pride. And Pastor Terry talked about that pretty hard the week in the series 7. Put aside your pride. Notice who God is. And get the job done. See, here's the deal. If we get in the midst of this situation and we don't know who God is or who he means to us, we are going to be scared. We are going to be terrified. We are going to be frightened. But when you realize who he is in the situation, all this other stuff doesn't matter. I mean, you'll take on the biggest 230-pound man you can find when you're 11 years old because you know where your power comes from. You know where your strength comes from. And we do this because the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. We're all players. I said this earlier. We're all players on God's team. We all got a specific job to do. We all have a, pos a specific position we've got to play. 
But there are three things, I'm going to give you three things this morning that we all have to do individually, okay? The first one is this, you got to be ready. Alec, if I yell at you and I say, toes on the line, what does that mean? <laughs> Get your toes on the line. If you ever come to Alex's practice or football game, you're going to hear some coach yelling at the team, toes on the line. Whether it's the sideline or if we're out on the practice field, it's one of the, the, the lines marked in the field. But what we're telling the team is, you better be paying attention. You better be ready. Because here's the deal, and this may sound, sound harsh for 11, 12-year-old, but if I call your number and you're not ready, you ain't playing. You've got to be paying attention. You've got to be ready so when the coach calls your number, man, you're in the game. You're, running, you're doing what God has called you to do. You're, you're doing what you've been practicing to do. You've got to be ready. When God reveals his plan for you, you need to be ready. And for some of you, you already know what your purpose is. You already know what the plan is God has for your life. Are you ready? When God calls to you and says, man, let's go, get in there, are you going to be ready? There's one thing we always tell the team when we're practicing. If you're not ready, you better believe the other team is. The other team's ready. They're ready to knock your head off. Look at what 1 Peter 5, 8 says. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion. Seeking whom you may devour. The other team's ready. The other team's sitting there ready to just knock your head off. He's ready to take you out. Be vigilant. Be ready. And I got to looking at that spiritual side, and then I got to thinking about our friends. I got thinking about these people that Christ was talking about, about the harvest being plentiful. And I flip back a couple chapters to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. And we've always got to be ready. We encounter people every single day that need that hope that you have. We encounter people every single day who are in need of hearing that God loves them and there is a hope. And just like I tell Alec all the time, you can't let your team down. We can't let those people down. We're their first line of defense. We're to go to them and tell them who Christ is and where their hope can come from. We cannot let them down, whether it's our friends, our family, our co-workers, people at school. Man, we try to hit this hard on Wednesday nights because... Things are crazy in high schools these days. I don't know if y'all know that or not. But my daughter and some of the other kids will come to me and tell me things that's happened in school, things that's going on around them. It blows my mind. And I know I've been out of school for a while. Don't y'all say amen. You said it for them. Okay? And I know things have changed. But you've got to be ready. Because I'm telling you, if you're living the life of a Christian, they're watching you. You're under a microscope. Young people, listen to me. They're going to see a difference in you. And when they do, they're going to ask you why you're different. You've got to be ready. You've got to get in this word, and you've got to be ready. Okay?
The second thing we got to do once you're ready is you got to run the play. It doesn't matter if you're ready or not. And the coach sends you out on the field and he says, okay, I want you to run this play. And you're just sitting there looking like, what? You've got to run the play. Matthew 28, 19 is a scripture that we all know. We've heard it time and time again. But it says, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That first word, go. He's preparing you. He's got you ready. Now go. Go run the play. He even told you what the play was. Baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You got the play. Go run it. I was laughing when I wrote this down, but God's saying, just do it. You know, a lot of people think Nike come up with that. God came up with that. Okay? Just do it. Okay? Go out there. And run the play. I, read, I fell back into Psalms. I told you guys before, I like to read Psalms every day. Just, it just helps me. If I uplift God, I get uplifted. And Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You got to know the word. You got to know the play. Study it. Practice it. Have it in you. Because when people begin to ask you, What's going on? What is this? You've got to be able to share it with them. You've got to be able to give it to them. And as I was looking, about, looking at this and I was thinking about practicing it and studying it, this is one thing we coaches do. When we're teaching a, a kid a position or a play, we try to teach them to run it the right way. We have to get rid of all those bad habits. Because young people come in and they want to do it their way. You know, we tell them, throw the ball from up here. and You know, what in the world? So you've got to break those bad habits. You've got to begin to run the play the right way. And that's what God does to us when we submit to him and we get in his word and we've got these bad habits and we're, these things we're lugging around. We think, you know, we've got to do it this way. God says, no. Let me teach you how to do it the right way. Okay? So you've got to be ready and you've got to run the play. The third thing is this, and this is very important for Christians. We must protect our tender. We must protect our tender. Run this video for me, Tim. I don't know if you realize what just happened there, but he tackled his own player. This guy's running up the field, ready to score. He's up there, supposed to be blocking. He turns around and says, Pfft. take him out. But I saw that video, and I had to watch it over and over. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I see that sometimes in five- and six-year-old football, you know. But this is a semi-pro football team. He tackled his own player. And God said, how many times do y'all do that as Christians? Ouch. Ouch. Man, we see somebody who's down, 
We're supposed to be going over lifting them up. We kick them. Man, we see somebody that's down. We're supposed to be going over dusting them off. So, man, what can I do to help you? We go to our neighbor and say, dude, can you believe what they did? We're tackling our own teammates. God said, that's got to stop. You got to protect your team. Have you ever seen the movie The Blind Side? Man, great movie. Great movie. The one thing you learned in that whole movie, what they taught this kid was, you've got to protect the quarterback's blind side. The enemy's coming in. However he can get there, we've got to be watching each other's back instead of helping them. I mean, think about it in, in, in football terms. We're sitting there, we're supposed to be blocking the quarterback, and here comes this big 230-pound lineman. <laughs> Go ahead. Man, it happens a lot, and it shouldn't. And that might be why God is hitting me with this this week. He said, you know what? Get off the sidelines. Go do it. What are you waiting for? Too many times we as Christians are helping Satan do his job better. And you know what? <laughs> he don't need our help. He does it well enough on his own without us stepping out of the way and giving him a free shot. We got to protect our teammates. Galatians 6.10 says this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of the faith. That's your teammate. That's, that's your fellow Christians. Especially to those who are in the household of the faith. Now, you're supposed to be nice to everybody. The scripture says you're supposed to love your neighbor, love everybody. But especially us. We've got to be helping each other. We've got to be picking each other up. Quit trash talking each other. When God's called somebody to do something, man, we should be patting them on the back. Man, let's go do this thing. Instead of beating them down saying, that should have been my job. We've got to be excited for each other, working together as a team, not trying to tackle each other for a loss. And that's what happens a lot of times. And then people end up getting hurt. They end up getting discouraged. They become like those people that Brent was talking about at the beginning of the service. They get hurt in church. They get discouraged. They don't want to come back. We're supposed to be lifting each other up, encouraging each other. Working together to get this job done. Get this thing done. Score a touchdown, man. For Christ. That's what God has called us to do. That's what God has called us to do. Man, God's awesome. I want to share something with you that I heard several years ago. And it's by a man by the name of Adrian Dupree. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Adrian Dupree before. He's from this area. He played football at Furman. He's actually the chaplain now for the University of South Carolina football team. So he's got a job to do, okay? If you're a chaplain on a college football team, and your work is cut out for you. Amen? But he's got this message, and I don't know if anyone's ever heard it before, but he calls it the four chairs. And, man, the first time I heard that message, dude, it was just like, wow. And I was reading that thing again this week, and God said, you know what? There are four chairs but there are four types of players. And you can apply what he said on these four chairs to these four types of players and give this to the church. And you're going to fit in one of these four. Yeah. 
you're going to be one of these four players. Okay? Player number one. This is, these are the players that are in the game. They're doing the job. They're making the plays. Okay? These are the ones who are on fire for God. They're sharing Christ with others. They're studying God's word. They're in prayer on a daily basis. They're always seeking more of God and want to be in his perfect will. That's the kind of player I want on my team. When we're practicing out there on thir- Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, whatever night, we're out there with these young boys, we're looking for leaders. We're looking for guys who want to be out there. We're looking for guys who want to get in the game and make plays, and they're studying the plays we give them, and they're, just, they're learning, they're taking all they can, and when they get on the field, man, they're doing this thing. That's the guys we want on the field. And that's what God is saying. That's the guys he wants on the field. Those who are seeking after him on a daily basis. That's player number one. The second type of player is this. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> They're the ones that are on the sidelines. They sit back and hope the coach doesn't make eye contact with them. Because they don't want to go in the game. They're the ones drinking up all the Gatorade. <laughs> and reaping all the benefits of the guy struggling on the field. Wow. The ones drinking up all the Gatorade and reaping all the benefits of the ones on the field. They're Christians, but maybe they've lost their first love. And they're not really pursuing after what God really wants for their life. The Bible calls these people lukewarm. We know what God says about lukewarm. He'll spew you out of his mouth. You're either hot or you're cold. I don't want to be that type of player. Yeah, I want, I mean, I want us to be a team, and I want the benefits. I want to rejoice with each other. The Bible says we can rejoice with each other, but we've got to be there for each other when we're not rejoicing, when things are going bad. And when somebody comes off the field and they're tired and wore out, instead of handing them Gatorade, we hand them an empty cup. We didn't suck it all down. That's the second type of player. The third type of player are the ones that's in the stands. That's us crazy ones. Okay? <laughs> they're calling their own plays, and they're criticizing every decision the coach makes. Well, I sat beside many of them at football games. I can't believe he called that play. I can't believe he's trying that. They look like real players. Because, see, they went down to Hibbit and bought the replica jersey. So they're sitting up in the stands. They look like players, okay? They want to call the plays. They want to call the shots. These are church members, maybe regular attenders, maybe even leaders. However, they're content to just sit back and do their own thing. Wow. (laughs) Might have better move on, keeping quiet. I think we know some of these players. Amen. The fourth player is this. They're the armchair quarterbacks. Maybe they're wanting really bad to get into the game, but they're still searching for the right team to get on. And there's a lot of those out there. They're searching for which team they're supposed to be on. They may even be sitting and waiting for someone to just come by and ask them to play, ask them to join the team. That's your friends. That's your family members. That's your co-workers. They're just sitting back waiting on you to come by. These are the unsaved, the unchurched, 
those who have been hurt by church in the past, Brent, these are the ones that Christ was talking about in Matthew chapter 9. These are the ones that when Christ saw them, he was moved with compassion. These are the ones that he talked about when he says in Matthew 9, 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. This is the harvest that Christ was talking about. These are the ones that are sitting back just waiting for somebody to come to them and ask them. Brent gave us a statistic earlier, 41%. People said they would come to church if you just asked them. This is them right here. These are the ones. These are the ones that Christ saw and he had compassion for them. He said because they were like lost sheep without a shepherd. There's something wrong with the church today if we're too worried about ourselves and us being the, the star on the field. Instead of lifting each other up and making our team bigger and making our team better. There's something wrong today. I want to be that first type of player. And I want to be reaching that fourth type of player. I don't want to be the one sitting back. God ain't called you to sit back. He's called you to get off the sideline. He's called you to get in the game. Be ready. Run the play. Protect the other players. Do what he has called you to do this morning. Get in the game. There are people around you every day that need to know Christ loves them. Every day. I bet if you were to sit and think, you wouldn't have to think long or hard to see somebody that you should be talking to. To see someone that you should be inviting to church. To see someone that you're supposed to be sharing that hope with. You wouldn't have to look far. They could live right next door to you. They could work right next to you. They could sit right beside you, kids, in school. They're there. They just want to be part of something. That's the sad thing. They want to be part of something. And we need to show them what they're supposed to be part of. Because I, I guarantee you the world's going to show them something totally different. And if we don't get out there and do what God's called us to do, they're going to be lost. They're going to be wandering around. They're going to be on a team that they should not be on. A losing team. And I say that because we know who wins. Dude, I want to be on the winning team all the time. If you've ever been around me at football time, I don't like to lose. You know, if you ever watch me play softball, Rick, I don't like to lose. Okay? But God has called us to work together as a team. Amen? Gary, if you'll come up. I want everybody to do me a favor. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. <coughs> and I want everybody to do what I mentioned just a second ago. And I want you to think about those around you that are lost. Think about those around you that need Christ, that need to know that hope that is in you. And we need to be praying for those people. We need to be sharing God's love with these people. I'm going to give everyone an opportunity if they need prayer this morning to come down front. But I want, I want to throw some things out there for you. First of all, maybe you are one of those people. I don't want to miss any opportunity at all. If there's anyone here that needs to know Christ as their personal Savior. So maybe you're that fourth player. Maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines so long or you've been sitting in your, your recliner so long just waiting for somebody to come by. And just tell you that Jesus loves you. Maybe you've been waiting for somebody just to come by and invite you to join the team. Just tell you to come on, man. You can come hang out with us. <clears throat> Maybe you're that person. 
And this morning is your time, is your day that you can meet the coach. Man, today is the day that you can come down here and you can find a personal Savior that will take care of every one of your problems. If that's you this morning, you're in this house this morning, these altars are open. We want to pray with you. We want to introduce you to our Savior this morning. We want you to see that it doesn't have to always be that way. As Pastor Terry's always said, it's as easy as ABC, ask, believe, and confess. That's it. We try to overcomplicate things way too much. We want to introduce you to our Savior this morning. Or maybe you're in here and you say, you know what? I'm close. I, I want to be that person. I want to be that player that's on the field making plays, not sitting back on the sidelines, just sucking it all down. I want to be that guy that's out there helping the team win. And you say, you know what, Pastor Stephen? I need more of Christ. I need more of him in my life so that I can be better. Maybe that's you. These altars are open. We want to pray with you. Or maybe you're in here and you know, you're like, I just don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what God's plan for me is. These altars are open for you. God wants to reveal that purpose to you. But I want to give you a little hint right here. Your purpose is to glorify God. Whatever you do, whatever you say, if it's glorifying God, you're living in His purpose. I, I don't know who that was for. That's just a word of encouragement for you. If whatever you say and do is glorifying God, you're in his purpose. You're in his plan right now. But if you want us to help pray with you, come down here. If there's someone here this morning that has any need whatsoever, it doesn't matter how big or how small it may seem to you, nothing's too big or too small for God. So if you're in here this morning and you fall under any of these categories, these altars are open for you. As Gary plays this morning, we're just going to have an open altar call this morning. I'm going to ask some of the leaders to be ready this morning. If some, if people, as people begin to come down, that we can pray for them. But if you need anything at all from God, don't sit back this morning. I'm telling you, do not sit back. Today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of healing. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day to see God high and lifted up in your life. Maybe you're sitting back there and you say, you know what, I know somebody who needs prayer. Come to this altar. Let's pray. Let's pray about this situation. Let's pray for these people. I'm telling you, I want to join together with you guys. Because I'm telling you, they're out there. They're waiting they're waiting for you just to ask them. They're waiting for us just to come to them. Let's pray for these people. And there are those out there that are hurting. Churches beat them up too long. It's time that we become the church. We become the team. We're out there helping each other, not beating each other down. God, do your thing this morning. Lord God, move this morning in this house. God, help us to be who you've called us to be. God, help us to do what you've called us to do, God. Lord, have your way in these altars this morning, God. These altars are still open. If you're there and you need prayer about anything, 
or anyone. Just make your way down front. We want to pray with you.